When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? Good morning. Welcome to another edition of the show. It is February 21st, 2022. I'm joined once again by Kyle Klingman from Cedar Falls, Iowa. And Kyle, it's it's like we're rolling into the back side of February. It's the the wrestling season. Freestyles upon us, and conferences are just around the corner for the NCAA's. States are going crazy. Were you at Iowa? Yeah, I, I was at the Iowa State Championships this weekend, and it's a tradition like no other. I'm sure there's other states, but being from Iowa, I understand that tradition, and it's special to win a state title in Iowa. That's for sure. Biggest moment or memory uh for you from this last weekend uh for me it was a guy named aaron graves who went out for wrestling last year for the first time as a junior uh played in a he won his first round match played in a basketball game that night went back to his hometown scored a game high 33 points came back for the quarterfinals the next day and ended up placing fourth and he's uh gonna play football at iowa so that was a a great storyline for me wow yeah no that, that sounds that sounds amazing um but let's get on to our, our guests. We're not talking Iowa. We're talking Oklahoma. Uh, it was two-time All-American <laughs> at Oklahoma State. It's Hardell Moore runs the Oklahoma uh, Wrestling Academy. Hardell, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, fellas. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. I'm great, man. Thanks for joining us. Um, so you, Oklahoma, and is it Coweta or Coweta? I'm guessing. <laughs> what's, what's your hometown? It's Coweta, man. You had it right the first time, brother. All right. Coweta, Oklahoma. I looked it up. It's yeah. outside of... Broken Arrow, which is like just outside of Tulsa. What what's life like in Coweta and nineteen? Man, it's a, it's a, it's a simple life, brother. My mom and dad still live there. Uh, my goal is to eventually get them up closer to where uh, I'm at. And my uh, oldest brother, my middle brother, lives in Bristol, so it's forty five minutes from him either way. But it's a small community. I say small community. They're actually five A now. When I graduated, we did three A state, four A dual state. They put a power plant in. Uh, 10, 12 years ago, and it's just kind of exploded from there. Um, but uh, simple living, man, little country to it, and uh, I wouldn't change it anyway. 
Is it like a, a one stoplight kind of town, or is there is there's lights and there's a town center and? Well, we you know we 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 do have more than one stoplight now, okay. baby. We do have more than one. Um, you know, maybe about seven or eight. It could be ten. I could be missing some. <laughs> I don't go back that often. My parents are up here more than I probably am there. But uh, it's grown into a nice community, man. I uh, I see a lot of the the youth kids that are at these local tournaments from Kuwaita, you know, and I always see them and pop them upside the head, let them know hometown. I got a couple of them saying, you know, Kuwaita's my town now and stuff like that. So <laughs> it's, it's still good to give back. I had a chance to go back uh, a couple of years ago and talk to the youth little league and, and, and watch practice and have my son get involved in the practice and also talk to some of the high school kids as well. Sweet. So, you know, growing up in Kuwaita, how'd you get introduced to wrestling? So I'm the baby of three brothers. My oldest brother did not wrestle. My middle brother, Howard Moore, was a four-time All-American, two-time national champ at UCO. My dad knew nothing about wrestling. He was a basketball player. But uh, when he was younger, growing up in uh, Coyle, Oklahoma, he said if he ever had some boys, he would like to get them involved in wrestling. Well, one thing led to another. He had three of us, and uh, there you go. Uh, When we moved to Coweta, Howard, my middle brother, brought home a flyer from school. And uh, knew nothing about it. Went up there, did practice. And I, at that time, I was four years of age. So when I first went to the practice, I would just warm up with them. I'd warm up, stretch, and then I'd go sit down. Well, one day, my uh, elementary coach, Ron McGill, asked my dad. He was like, Ernest, you want to get him out here? And there you have it. Uh, the, probably the thing that got me into it, though, we went to a tournament. Howard went to a tournament. And he actually got to stay the night at the tournament, brought his sleeping bag and everything, right? And they slept on the mats, right? They didn't stay in a hotel. They slept on the mats. Well, <laughs> as a four-year-old kid, we're leaving. And I'm like, where's Howard at? And there's like, my mom and dad was like, baby, he gets to stay in the gym for the night. And then we'll come back and watch him wrestle. I'm like, man, that, that sounds pretty cool. Like, I want to do that. Well, next thing you know. I got on a pair of Chuck Taylors with a red or green ankle band on and a baby afro with a Kawita singlet getting after it. That's it. (laughs) That's great. Do they still do that? I don't even know if you could do that these days. Liability or whatever. Well, well, once again, this was, this was 19, this is 1980. You know what I'm saying? So, (laughs) you know, it was a little bit more relaxed back then. Um, Obviously now we're in hotels and different things like that, but, like I said, as a four-year-old kid, that was I just thought that was pretty daggone cool that my brother gets to stay there, hang out. And I wanted to do that too. And there you have it. Did you did you do it that same year or was it like a year or two later before you actually It was that on the same mats? year that I yeah. well, it was that same year um that I got started. Uh like I said, I did it. My first pair of wrestling shoes weren't wrestling shoes. They were some white Chuck Taylors and yeah. the knee high socks and double knee pads and you know, back then, everybody only had one singlet that you wore for both days. And, yep. uh, you yep. know, I had a mean double. I'd, sh- I'd shoot that double from here to Iowa, but I'd try to keep driving. And that's that was it, man. We had I had a lot of fun with it. As you're, as you're you know, you're four years old and you're hitting double eggs and you're enjoying it. At some point, you wanted to be a state champ, whether that was in seventh, eighth or ninth grade or what, you know, at some point you're doing it and you're having fun. And then at some point you start to look ahead a little bit. Maybe you do the kid states yeah. and then you realize that there's, there's things on down the road. How did that progress for you? Well, it progressed pretty good. And I, you know, it was good for me because I already had an older brother that was already kind of going through that process. Right. Sure. Um, Howard is, uh, what is Howard? Howard's four or five years older than what I am. So I got to see that and experience that as well. 
Um, I remember one time we were at a local uh, tournament in, uh, it was in Tulsa, Tulsa Union Tournament. And I was in eighth grade. And I think we were sitting there watching it. And I remember my dad asking me, are you ready for this? Are you ready for high school wrestling? You know, eighth grade. I'm like, yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm ready for this, man. What you talking about? I'll be ready for this, right? Uh, wrestled 115 as a freshman. Uh, went to Battle Creek, Michigan. Cadet Nationals were there at Battle Creek, Michigan that year. Uh, going old school on you. Bono actually won that weight. Uh, <laughs> Bono won it. that weight that year at Battle Creek. Uh, Bono was in that bracket. Mark Smith was in that bracket. I was in that bracket. And I know there were some other hammers in that bracket too, but yeah. I know we all three placed there along with some other guys. And that's when I started getting a little bit more itch for it, right? Uh, getting on that national level. Um, come back sophomore year, do pretty good. Uh, got second at state. Um, go off to cadet nationals again, and I win it the following year. That year is my sophomore summer. And then I'm like, man, I, I could be doing all right here. Now, you know, in the local papers back then, I just knew I wanted to do what my brother did. Hardell, where are you going to go to school, right? UCO, man. I want to follow my brother's footsteps, right? You know, yeah. well, then all of a sudden you get some other guys knocking on your door, J-Dub, <laughs> Kenny Monday, all these other dudes coming to you, and you kind of like, whoa, I think I may want to <laughs> rethink this process. Yeah, exactly, right? But, you know, just getting out there on that freestyle scene and, and kind of, you know, working on my craft a little bit. And then probably by the time I was, after my sophomore season, I was like, I think I can go get a scholarship doing that. I think I can go get an education doing this. And uh, that's when it, that's when it kind of really turned around for me. So was it, you know, getting recruited by John Smith that, that, allude, you know, made you think almost bigger picture or, you know, there's a different opportunity here, not just UCO. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, like I said, UCO was in our backyard, but obviously I did go to a lot of O state duels. My dad and I, and my brother, um, I'm going up and watching uh, O state wrestle. Uh, you know, and then you get a chance to, you know, continue to work with a lot of these guys and get on that national level. And, you know, I remember my, my, you know, I wrestled Pritzloff in the cadet finals. And then the following year, my first match at juniors was Jason Kraft, right? Kraft <laughs> had already committed to Nebraska. I didn't know who Kraft was. Kraft at that point in time probably didn't know who I was. Lo and behold, we we're going to wrestle another five, six, seven times through college with Nebraska and Oklahoma State. But that was a first round match at juniors, my my junior year, his senior year, right? Yeah. Like you just you don't you don't even think about that process. And then once again, you start putting your name out there a little bit more. You get known, you're known locally, but you're known nationally. And obviously, you know, the greatest program right here in your backyard, and you get this guy coming to your door and you know, a little old scrawny dude come knocking on your door and be like, Hey Hardell, how you doing? Yeah, you got posters of him up in your room and Kenny in your room and stuff like that. It's kinda not necessarily it's, it's hard to pass pass up but when i got a chance to go step foot on campus uh and see the dungeon uh bader you probably remember the dungeon a little bit kyle you may too as well underneath iba yeah the wrestling room. i only went ours, there once I, I did a camp at oklahoma state and that's the only time i saw it when oh, i was okay. like in high school and oh, i was like dude. damn this is like a piece you what, of crap for like hey what? brother let me let me, <laughs> let me tell you the dungeon was something, right? I mean, there was no windows in it. As people talk about all this natural light put went, nah, man, we didn't have none of that, brother. When you'd go down there, and that's why we called it the dungeon. And it was uh it was a great place. I wouldn't change it for anything. <laughs> what do you what like what are some of your memorable moments down there? Maybe specifically well, or generally or specifically. My 
Oh, yeah. My first one, when I was on a recruit trip, there was a little bit of scuffle in there, right? Really? I kind of like that. I like that. Yeah, I forget who it was with, but I don't remember who it was with, but it was a little scuffle. Well, when I got there, and I can tell you how my first practice went, and it wasn't pretty. So I get there, and I – well, let me me backtrack. There was one day I was in there by myself. Uh, A couple other guys came in. Coach Perry was in there, and that dude rolled me, it felt like, for 45 minutes to an hour. And I could not get up. I could not get up. You know, we always talk about the toughest thing, especially in college wrestling, is mat wrestling. Yeah. You know, learning. And back then, you know, I didn't wrestle a lot on the mat. It was more take down, let him up, take down, let him up, take down, let him up. That's what it was. Uh-huh. Coach Perry's probably weighing 100, I don't know, 45 pounds at the time. I'm 180. That dude could wore me it. out, right? Yep. Yeah, enjoy. It was bad. Um, in, in my first official practice, I wrestled John and Pat. I didn't score. Smith. Now, any yes. I mean, this yeah. is back. This is back when this is back when J Dub would come in with them sweatpants on, knee pad over the over the sweatpants, lace his shoes up, and that dude would go to work. Like that dude. You got to remember though, brother. This is ninety. Still ninety four. You know, ninety three, ninety four. Year two like, after he won. His you know, last he team. just yeah yeah he just he just finished. You know what I mean? So only point I can't even say I scored a point. They cut me. I didn't score a takedown. I didn't. I didn't score a reversal. I had no stall call. or well, stall calls on me, but you know what I'm saying. But it was it was a brutal practice. And then after that practice, I had to go lift with Coach Perry for another 30, 45 minutes, and that was brutal. But you know that's that's that different level. Welcome to welcome to college wrestling, son. Welcome to college wrestling. And it took me a good month. To like legitimately score, I, and I think I when I scored on Pat, I was like, okay, I I belong. I'm not on his level by any means yet, but I I belong. And I tell you, I wrestled with Pat. The, the guys I wrestled with my freshman year was Pat, JJ McGrew, Alan Freed, and Branch. That kind of sums it up right there in a nutshell. <laughs> Like, you know, there was nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. And you're the red shirt. I was the red shirt freshman. So whoever wanted to go with me, whatever day, what you going to do? Say no. Nah, that ain't going to happen. You know what I mean? You're going to yeah. go out there and get better. Get you, Take your lickings and keep going. Out of all those guys you just named, was anybody that you liked, liked wrestling the least? Or was like, oh, no, this guy's – uh, this guy's asking me to – I'll, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. And a lot of, it was probably Freed. Because Alan Freed never stopped. He was smaller, right? right? That dude, he was smaller, but I'm telling you, man, the dude never stopped. Pat was just flat out mean. He was just a mean, mean dude. But when you would wrestle Pat in practice, he respected that. And I think that's one of the reasons why he kept asking me as a practice partner. And Pat taught me a lot. Obviously, when he graduated, we were around the same weight. So we got to roll quite a bit. Branch, I know, I know I'm giving you all of them, but I would. I love it. Branch was just so tall, lanky, bony, and skinny, <laughs> but he was so tough, man. People, I remember Brant. They would because obviously he went in with a losing record, and I remember so many matches that he'd take a lot of these top five guys into overtime. And Don Blassingame, our announcer, would always say, "He's getting close, ladies and gentlemen. He's getting close. He's getting close." And we saw it in a room every day, man. And when Branch would get on top of you, that dude felt like he weighed 250 pounds because his leverage was unbelievable, unbelievable. 
And then with JJ, JJ had one of the nastiest firemen in the game. I saw him yesterday at our alumni weekend at the Bedlam Duel and chit-chatted with him. So, but like I said, Freed, Freed never got tired. Never got tired. Um, quick story on Freed. We were running our uh, Hall of Fame route one year. And Allen had to, uh, this is back when the old school fanny packs with the Sony Walkmans you put in your ears and all yeah. that stuff. Well, Freed had to stop to use the restroom at the Colvin Center. And uh, at that point in the time, I think I might have been in second or third. Well, on that last stretch back, I don't know how he did it. That some buck come up and end up passing me and ended up first. But so Freed was an animal, man. Freed was an animal. I know we talk a lot about Pat and Mark, but Freed, Alan Freed was something else too. Yeah, I still can't. First college wrestling practice, <laughs> I get my ass kicked by John and Pat Smith. And then Mark Perry yeah, takes me for a 45-minute lift. Yep. That was it, and I, I, you know, I, I, I called my mom from the from the tour that night, and was just like, man, because you know, leaving Kawita, man, I'm one of the top dudes in the room. It was when me and one of my other buddies, but we didn't work out, so I did what I wanted to do in that room, right? I did whatever I wanted to do, man. That was a, that was a, that was a good. It's like come here, freshman, let's scrap. I'm like, dad, I'm about to go with this dude, four time, soon to be four time national champ, and then here you go to greatest American wrestler as well. Yeah. Throw him, throw me on in there, Hardell. Let's go. Come on. You know? So it was, uh, it was fun. It taught me a lot. Did I like it at that moment? No. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, it was something that I can always remember. And I, like I said, I remember that practice like it was yesterday, like it was yesterday. Did you ever, as you got older to be a junior or senior, was there, did you ever do that? To somebody else, an incoming freshman? Yep, yep, <laughs> yep, yep. That's just a welcome to college. Every wrestler has some sort of welcome to college moment, whether it's in the wrestling room, whether it's in live action, whatever the case may be as far as wrestling-wise. We've all had that moment. I don't care who you are or what your status was coming out of high school. So, you know, when I started getting a little bit of juice, should we say, you know, and you start bringing these guys in, Hey, I'm going with you today. Hey, I'm going with you today, right? Hey, I'm going with you today. And then what eventually happens is we take them under our wing, right? Yep. Just like Pat did me, John did me, Perry did me, right? JJ, Branch, Freed, you know, McGrew, all those dudes took me under their wing. And that's it's, it's just a continuing process, right? And you help them get through things, right? Um, whether it's someone like a Mark Munoz, whether it's someone like a Reggie Wright, whether it's someone like a Jamil Kelly or somebody like that, you may not wrestle them. Obviously, I didn't wrestle Jamil, you know, being at a lower weight, but you take some of them dudes under your wing and try to t teach them the right way, and they'll eventually end up paying it forward somehow, some way. You answered my next question. I was going to say, who are the guys that you took under your wing? But you, you nailed it. Um, as far yeah. as, and you know, you're talking all about this in the wrestling room and, and, at school and at practice, are there duels or matches that stick out in your memory from from college that it's like, oh, this one was awesome, win or loss, or, or there's, yep. you know, the Iowa rivalry or the, the Bedlam? Well, I mean, you know, and I got to tell you guys, I, I caught some flack off the, the flow film with uh, with Gable and Gable hitting that star sign and pointing when me and Joe was wrestling. I had a couple of local dudes come by. I was like, oh, <laughs> we saw you on this documentary, da, 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 this and that. So I checked it out, but it was good stuff. Uh, obviously, the Iowa duels at national duels. And I think one thing that made that unique is you're sitting side by side. Yeah. Like you are, you're in it. 
they don't they take one step they're they're eye to eye that i mean it 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 was just in that atmosphere in that arena in nebraska was just it was something right um my senior year in carver hawkeye uh i think we were one and two and it came down to the heavyweight match uh i think our ben lee was our heavyweight and that's the that's the year i think Guerrero got beat that year, and then Jamil got pinned by Ironside because Jamil just came from last in junior college, right? But just that whole arena in there was nuts. Uh, we ended up winning the duel. Ben, ben Lee won at the end, and I remember before that, Coach Smith told us, he goes, hey, whatever happens after this, we shake hands and we head straight to the tunnel because it was intense, man. But it was <laughs> fun. It was so much fun, right? I still remember the first time I went to Carver. I asked Coach. I was like, "Hey, man," I said, "Is this map regulation? Like, it's just a huge, it was a huge map." Obviously, now everywhere's got the big mat. And you're wrestling out of bounds and stuff like that. But yeah. that whole atmosphere was was awesome, and just to see the the list of people that were on each side of those competitors and what a lot of those guys have gone off and done. You know, like I said, Jamil, that's the first time, if I recall, Jamil's been in an environment like that. Like I said, he just came from last in junior college, so he's never been in front of 15,000 fans and getting ready to wrestle this dude Ironside from across the way that has no quit in him. So, but to see Jamil progress, you know, through that and what he's done after college and stuff like that, it's that, that, that duel right there definitely sticks in my mind just because of the rivalry, who it is, where we were at in that experience. Yeah, well, it's interesting, Kyle. Kyle, I think, do you label that the greatest duel ever, Kyle? I did, yeah. Five or ninety-eight or something. And ninety-eight Valentine's Day. Valentine's Valentine's Day Day duel, yeah, yeah. It was, it was something, Kyle. You know, I actually have some, uh, some parents, some of our our wrestling parents have gone back and and watched that duel, Uh, and it was, man, it was, (laughs) it was, it was heated in every way possible every way possible you know um but that's what makes it so much fun it's 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 competitive juices flowing and it was intense it you know we had 15 oklahoma state fans compared to 15,000 iowa fans and it was just uh it was something else like it, 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 it was awesome Man, that sounds like a, a fantastic experience. Um, I want to yeah. kind of turn – obviously today you're coaching and you have Oklahoma mm-hmm. Wrestling Academy, but I think we, right before we went live, I think you told me or you said, mentioned you were doing – was it medical sales or you were doing something in between? Yeah. So how did how yes. did the coaching come about and what, what is it exactly you were doing? Well, so like OWA is a nonprofit 501c3. So like it is – I volunteer my time. I make I make zero money off of OWA. It's okay. all just giving back to these kids and parents and and the sport, right? And the sport. Kind of like you like you and I were talking earlier, you know, I, I look at it at that twenty five thousand foot view. Yeah. Right. Um, the good Lord has blessed me to to do some good things on the mat, but I tell you what, I think I've probably done a heck of a lot more off of the mat with these kiddos and and, and trying to invest in the youth. So I'm a uh, pharmaceutical day rep. Pharmaceutical rep is my job, which I've been doing that for 20 plus years. And then fortunate enough, I've been able to invest in the youth for the past 23 years. And, uh, you know, it started off as Edmund Generals. I know you had a uh, Schaefer on here back in the day. Um, so Austin Schaefer, Derek White, my two nephews, Keegan and Zachary, Boo, Gefeller, Diddy. There's a whole laundry list of 
of, of young men and some young women that I had part of the Edmund Generals. And then that kind of transferred into OWA, which has become the first year-round wrestling academy in the state of Oklahoma. So necessarily there wasn't a blueprint, um, made a lot of mistakes, learning from those mistakes, but getting better. So this is our eighth year, soon to be ninth year running this bad boy. And, uh, you know, we, we got kids and uh, in college getting educations, wrestling, uh, get a chance to just hit them with text message, obviously with Okie State being up the road, UCO being in the backyard, and OU as well, you know, uh, get a chance to go see some of our formers wrestle. And then obviously with everything, uh, you know, that's on social media and different things, different networks, stuff like that, you get a chance to follow them a little bit more, which is, which is fun. Like I always tell my kids, like, I'm always in your corner, even though I'm not in your corner, right? I'm always here for you. Whenever you need me, call, because it's more than wrestling. It is more than wrestling. So my job has allowed me to invest in these youth and um it's been it's been uh it's been fun it's been a lot of fun how do you structure um different levels i guess if you will right and it's not a belt system but uh how many different levels mm-hmm. of kids right i'm sure there's advanced high school kids who are trying to win fargo and then there's kids who are learning how to mm-hmm. do a drop step and, and there's everything in between <laughs> so how do you sort um and, and divide that up as far as teaching and learning so we deal, you know, with a lot of the youth, the high school kids sometimes have their own schedule, obviously, with duels being Tuesday, Thursday yeah. here in Oklahoma, depending on how banged up they are, tired they are, what academics they got to get done. So let's say prime example for the youth. I have three different levels for the youth. So like we were talking before, I have what's called we, we I don't, don't want to say I because it's it takes a village. It's more than just me. I happen to be the quote unquote face, but. There's so many people that do work behind the scenes and they know who they are. So thank you very much. Um, We have a program called the Little Grapplers. That's our first step. That's for kids ages four to six. It's a six week session and all it's one day a week. It's Mondays, 530 to 615. And like you said, Bader, we talk about square stance, stagger stance, sprawl, sprawl circle, duck walk or drop step, double leg. Um, These last couple of weeks, they started playing the ankle band game learning how to change their level and get to the ankle, right? Uh, Today is their last official, quote unquote, last session. Uh, They'll wrestle today. So we'll talk about you can't lock your hands. I'll try to teach them a half real quick. And then I'll just let them go, right? Yes, there's going to be locked hands. There's going to be pulling some shorts and shirt, but they're having fun. They have the slightest idea that they're wrestling. To them, it's still a game, which is awesome. That's what I want it to be. Okay. So those, those boys and girls go for six weeks. This is our third rotation to do that. We'll do another one somewhere in the spring and summer. And then if we have a kid that does a couple of sessions of little grapplers, I also do um, basic skills clinics. And I'm going to do about five or six of those this year. It's like one Sunday a month, two hours. Just keeps them involved in it, right? Yeah. Keeps them involved in it. Okay. They do that. Now, some of them are ready for novice wrestling or beginner and those are the ones that are kind of start focusing on doing some local tournaments every once in a while but they practice two days a week instead of one day a week uh they get to do a little bit more wrestling we dive a little bit deeper into quote unquote technique with some of those novice wrestlers if that's what you want to say (laughs) and then obviously after that once they're at about that two-year phase they're done with the beginner stage and they go into open 
and they'll and it just kind of carries from there. And obviously, you got different levels of your open, but um, you know, you got some that'll catch on a little bit quicker, some that'll catch on a little bit later. But like I tell my kiddos, attitude and effort—that's all I want. Wins and losses, parents don't get caught up in it. Attitude and effort. Go let them have fun. Let them get better. Let them enjoy the sport. And you just love on them when you need to. So uh, those are kind of our levels of what we have at our program. Um, and it's been pretty successful. You know, we started this little grapplers about three years ago. And I promise you, man, as soon as we put an opening out for it for this next class, it'll fill up within a day or two. Like it's just we've already got a waiting list of like 15 kids and I try to cap it at 20. You know, so okay. it's just keep reinvesting in those. And now what's cool is, prime example, my daughter, which was part of the Little Grapplers, is now officially wrestling. You see what I'm saying? So she's yeah. graduated through the Little Grapplers, through the basic skills, to the beginner, and then eventually she'll be open. And you basically started this whole program three years ago? Yeah, yep. So our board members, we we had a discussion about because what happens sometimes when you have a bigger club and you guys have heard this, man, my son or my daughter is tough, man. They're tough. They want to wrestle at home all the time. They want to wrestle at home all the time. Well, they want to wrestle at home when it's just mom and dad or dad and son or whatever, dad and daughter. Yeah. That's the only time they want to wrestle. But if they come into a practice room and there's 50, 60 kids at four five, six years of age, depending on the kid, is he or she timid? Are they more active? Are they a social butterfly or not? They get intimidated, right? Sure. And it may not be the best experience for that wrestler. Well, we created the little grapplers and made it a smaller, more intimate deal for those kids so they can have a better experience going forward, Yeah. right? And that yeah, also yeah. includes the parents. So, okay, it's a little bit smaller group. Eventually it will get bigger, but maybe by that time, you know, Bobby or – Katrina may be feeling better about wrestling and the parents. So it's a little slower process, but I think it helps keep the kids involved and not get so freaked out when they walk in that room. I'm just used to mom and, you know, me and dad wrestling. I'm not used to all these other kids (laughs) running around here. That's interesting. And that's cool how you made those adjustments to the, the newer kids and the younger age kids. Is there anything, you know, that you do with the more advanced kids that you've changed up or redefined, you know, since the beginning? Well, we got, we, we created a curriculum for them, okay. right? Yep. Uh, we got our little OWA curriculum that we do for them. And a lot of the things I want to try to hold my older kids or my more advanced kids accountable, right? And what I mean by that is prime example, when I go to a tournament or sometimes let's say if Maddox is not wrestling at a tournament, I'm not there like super duper early because I'm going to be there super duper late. Yeah. Right? And the novice start, folks start wrestling. Yeah. I want them to know our drill sequence and I want them to do that on their own. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't have to continue to bark orders at them now. I don't mind barking orders at them. Not at all. But they need to learn how to drill. You know, they them. need yeah. to learn how to drill. They need to learn how to drill on their own because that coach is not going to be watching them every daggone time. So we start with our curriculum. We start with our basic fundamentals. And obviously with the youth, you're dealing with a lot more kids and a lot different skill level. So you got to make sure you're getting down on everybody's level. And sometimes when I'm teaching technique and our other coaches are teaching technique, I know it's not going to be for every kid in that room. I know that. So I got to make sure I state that up front. This may not be for some of you guys, but I still want you to try it. 
you guys that feel a little bit more comfortable in here, this is your this is your area. Now, the next day or the next week, I may come back and kind of reverse it and hit on some of those other areas that's more comfortable to other kids. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is when we go to these tournaments and we see our problem areas throughout the weekend, we want to address those so we can get better at those as individuals and as a club. Right. right? So we do a lot. We cover a lot of technique in our room. And honestly, that just comes from how I was coached in, in high school and definitely in college. Like we spend a lot of time there in that technique area. And now it's becoming even more, as I say, situational wrestling. Yep. Um, we still do our live goals, but I, we have done a lot more situational wrestling these last two to three years than what we've done before. And I think that just comes from seeing those kids in those positions and getting a little bit lost. Obviously, sparring and play wrestling have come a big factor as well, scrambles and stuff like that. But we do we cover a lot of technique. We do a lot of situational wrestling, short little burst and goals. So when they get there, they'll have an idea. And every time you're in that, down by two, 30 seconds, down by two, 20 seconds, up by one, 10 seconds, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. You throw it all at them. So now they – they're, they're starting to, like I said, get a database collected in their head, even though at a young age, starting to get it collected. You brought up something I, I think is probably pretty important and is uh, sparring and, and play wrestling and, and whatever you want to call that. Right. Did you guys, did you do much of that in your, during your competitive career? No, bro. We didn't know what sparring and play wrestling was. We knew right. it, it, it was just drilling right now. I will say this and Mark branch can attest to this. So if he listens to this, he'll definitely know. If you guys, if Flo was around when Branch and I drilled, it was an art, boys. I'm telling you, it was a pretty, pretty thing. You need to ask Mark Branch about our drill sequence. We had, we had, <laughs> we had it down pat. It was so routine, and we did it every duel. Uh, when he made the finals, and I didn't, I'm down there still drilling with him. Same sequence, man. We had a, uh, we had a good set. We had a good drill uh, sequence going, but we didn't have, we didn't know much about play, you know, horse playing maybe or something like that. But, you know, they it didn't have a title or anything. Um, so it was around, but it just didn't have a title. We just probably, we just kept calling it drill. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like changing the resistance levels. Um, yep. And last yep. thing on coaching, yep. um, what you, how would you describe yourself in the corner? Do you have a, a strategy or a, a, a basic approach to how you corner guys and girls? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Everybody's different. Um, you know, I, I don't have many kids that I need to get in their face and raw, raw them up and all this other stuff. A lot of they're self-motivated, which yeah. is awesome for me. And I don't want to overload them with information before mm -hmm. they step on the wrestling mat. I don't yes. want to do that. I do not want to do that. So, I pretty much, you ready? Yep. All right, let's go. You do what you do good. Let's, let's go have fun, right? And <laughs> so the, more, the more I've, well, and, and, and go back to speak to that, Vader. Those kids don't need to see those nerves. They're nervous already. Yeah. Right? They're nervous already. And obviously, I'm talking to a different population than some of the college coaches, but right. I'm dealing with the youth. And they're nervous already. They're terrified already. They're excited. <laughs> but they don't need to see that coming from whether it's a parent and or the coach. They need to see somebody calm, cool, collective, and they're, you're going to fight for your wrestling, right? And it also depends on 
the personality of that kid. How do you coach that kid? You know, there's some things I can say to some kids that I can't say to anybody or say to another kid. So prime example, my son's getting a little bit better. And some of these other kids that are in my D3s and D4s are getting a little bit better. Well, when they were in Division One or novice, sometimes you're coaching from the first whistle to the last whistle because <laughs> they don't know what the heck they're doing just yet. Yeah. Right. But now that they're getting older and starting to collect a little database, they have their own set of skills. You kind of watch the match unfold. Right. And then when they get into a certain position, you help coach them through that. Or if they're losing by two, you make sure you're motivating them to get ready to go score and potentially let's go try to win this match. Right. Mm -hmm. So my philosophy in the corner is I kind of let the match come to me and the kid and I'll kind of judge how they're feeling. But let's say with about 30 seconds left in the first period or second period, whatever period is, second, first period, I'm already thinking about, okay, if it's our choice, what are we going to do? Depends on what the score is. Something could happen in this last 10 seconds, right? Um, if we're in this position, this kid's tough on top. Do we need to go back on our feet? I don't want to go on top because I don't want to give him a chance to escape to tie the score up. So we're, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm thinking about all of that. And a lot of that just comes with, the level that I've wrestled on, where I've wrestled, and just picking other people's brains as well. So I try to stay as calm as I can in the corner. I think I do a pretty good job of it because um, I want my, I want, I want to. If my parent is sitting in the corner when me or one of my other coaches get there, we want to put them at ease, right? We want to put them at ease. But more importantly, we want our kids to just go out, let it fly, have fun, give us a great attitude and effort. Awesome, awesome. All right, and I know, yeah. I know, Kyle Kling has been sitting real patiently over here. The big. Ever growing beard, but uh, I I think he's got. A couple I see that for beard, you. man. That beard's been clean for a while, though. Look at that thing. That oh, nice. looks good, man. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> not, I'm not, not, not going to go full Mike Zadek, but I'll uh, I'll get I'll get close. So what I have for you, and and man, if I could have your energy every morning, just have a conversation with you, I think it'd be a lot better. And you, you bring it. I like this. I I appreciate it, man. I do. I'm a positive mindset, dog. Ain't got time for negative yeah. stuff, man. Let's keep it rolling. That's I for love sure. That. You're good. Love that. We have five questions. It's called Sweat It Out. Are you ready to play? Okay. I'm All ready right. to play, man. Number one, what former Oklahoma State basketball player was known as Big Country? It's Brian Reeves, man. Yep. You got it. He's from Oklahoma. Yeah, He's small from town Oklahoma. Yeah. Where did Dennis Rodman play the majority of his college basketball career? It was like Southeast Oklahoma, man. Yeah, Southeastern South, Oklahoma. Southeast, yeah. Homie. You got yeah. it. Two for yep. two. Number man, three, who, who was the first Native American to win a gold medal for the United States in the Olympics and is considered by some to be the greatest all-around athlete ever? Jim Thorpe. And you're rolling here. Kyle, come on. we got to crank these – Take these up. No. Number two, in your heart of hearts, did you escape from Joe Williams during the 1997 match? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you didn't, Kyle. No, you didn't. Did you just do that? Did you I just did. do that? Oh. Yep. You know what? I'm going to tell, tell everybody. I'm going to tell everybody. Heck, no, I don't think I escaped. Oh. I did. I was close. I was so close. I was so close. I was so close. Hey, I Kyle haven't seen you on the spot. Go ahead, go ahead, and ding that buzzer, man. Ding, ding that. Yep, you got it. All right, and then oh, man. final question. 
Final question. <laughs> would Mark Bader look better bald or would you look better with Mark Bader's full head of hair? <laughs> Listen, okay, that's a good one. So I'm going to go ahead and just say I would look better with Bader's hair because that dude don't need to be bald because he didn't had that long hair for a while. And I don't know what nicks, bumps, bruises <laughs> underneath that, that scalp. It's like yours. It's smooth. It's smooth. It's 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 beautiful. But I'll give it hey, to you. Shave, uh, shave it this morning. It looks fantastic. It. Oh, I can see sun beaming <laughs> off of it. And... Is that five for five, Kyle? It's five for five, man. He Damn. killed it. He did awesome. I killed oh. it. He did next awesome. time Let's you go. gotta you gotta step him up. Next time you gotta stump this guy. <laughs> Straight A's. All right, one one more game. Let's go. One more. One more. One yeah. more deal here. It's called wins and whoopings. So over the span of your entire career, one really memorable win can be your best win or a favorite or, you know, a comeback or whatever, right? It could be a a Little League thing. I don't care. And, like, one ass whooping you took that just you you can't forget as hard as you try. And you can do either one first. Okay, now let me me get clarification here. Let me get clarification. On the whooping part, is is that competition? Is that practice? What is that? I mean, ideally competition, but I'll take a good practice. I mean, okay. you wrestled with John Smith okay. on your first day of freaking practice. Well, like, I, I, I know, I know. So that I, I may just throw that one out, being I've already, I've already. Yeah, put that we one already out. know that one. I, I'm gonna throw that one out. Yeah, we're you look, typically that, looking that for a match, that, but yeah. you know, if you got a good story, okay. I'm, okay. I'm all ears. All right. all right, we can do whatever. All right, so I would probably say one of my not uh, biggest wins, fun wins, exciting wins. And we just brought his name up a little while ago, but it was a, a, a victory over my boy Byron Tucker uh, All right. in one of the Bedlam matches, right? In one of the Bedlam yeah. matches. And this was actually at uh, McClasson Fieldhouse. So it was a smaller venue, but going yeah. back and forth and uh, uh, got a fall there and just kind of went bananas a little bit, right? Ah, you know, <laughs> obviously we're kind of going back and forth. So that's one. B Tuck, I love you, buddy. Uh, you know that already. <laughs> and then. Kind of going to one of my probably biggest whoopings would be, um, I'll tell you this, uh, not ashamed to admit it. Joe Williams was on a mission in 97, and we wrestled in the semis, and obviously we wrestled earlier that year, which Kyle just brought up. Thanks, Kyle. Um, (laughs) But I would probably say that was one of my biggest whoopings. It was in the semis. I think he beat me 8-3. I know the score probably really didn't show it, but that that dude was ready to rock. Right, I mean, he always was, but that was uh, that was probably one of my big, the, the biggest whooping that I would probably say I had. All right, and uh, I wouldn't. I mean, you say you're cool with them, but just I wouldn't have them redo your root canal if you need it done. Since you kind of threw it out there that Byron was, no. you know, let's maybe find for, for hey, not that he. Well, listen, man, when you when you wrestle someone eleven times, you like, guys wrestled you eleven times. That, we wrestled eleven times, bro. 11. Now, I think Teague and Valdez wrestled more than what we did. Uh, sure. I could be wrong on that, but Byron and I wrestled 11 times, and you create a bond with that dude, right? Sure. I mean, regardless of what happened, you know, I will say this, and Byron knows this, like, my mom and dad didn't care for Byron when we wrestled, right? But after we wrestled, <laughs> we still ran into him, and they got to know him a little bit better, and they realized he was a good dude. Me and Byron never had any type of animosity towards each other. Neither yeah. did Joe or I. Um, but you know, on that mat, just like anything, man, you're not, you're, you're not my friend during this seven minutes or however long we got to scrap, you know, and now kind of looking back on things now, when you're done, you're like, share the mat with that dude. 
that dude yeah. made you better and you made him better. And that's kind of the whole key of it, you know? So, yeah, I agree. And maybe it's more Good than seven minutes, you know? but it's over after four years. Then we can be friends. Exactly. <laughs> then we can be friends after four years. Yeah. Right. After four years, we can be friends. That's for sure. Exactly. It's funny. Cause there's guys exactly. that I, I wrestled in college that I, you know, <laughs> I'd see them. You never want to talk to them. And then years later, you're at NCAAs and, Yep. Nothing. Hey, Lamont, you eventually bury that hatchet, kind of like what Kyle was talking about. That's a lot of negative energy you don't have to bring around, man. I mean, yep. in, in my mind, I, you know, that guy was the better day that he was the better guy that, that day. And what am I supposed to do? I, I got to tip my hat to him. And if the roles were reversed, he would, he, he would probably do the same as well. So once again, that's just the kind of the mindset I have moving forward with it and always have had. I mean, I've had some great competitors, great practice coaches, great practice room partners, the whole nine. And you just live off of that, right? You continue to build and because you never know if your past will ever cross again. And right. if they do, you want it to be on great terms. Yep. Uh, it sounds like you're on pretty, pretty good terms with probably most people you come around with. And, and your energy is yeah. great. Kyle, Kyle said it. And we appreciate you coming on and kind of sharing part of your wrestling journey with us. We're going to leave you, though, with the last word. Anything you want to say about anything? Man, I want to uh, – Obviously, you know, we, we, we're on here talking about wrestling, and I want to get a lot of props to my OWA family. Um, I'm not going to sit here and try to name them all because there's too many to name, you know, whether it's part of our board members, our sponsors, our committee members, our parents, our wrestlers, people that just follow us on social media. Uh, we appreciate it because it does. It takes a village for this nonprofit to continue to rock and roll. You know, and everybody that's involved is, is volunteering their time to invest into these youth and make these young men and young women uh, better, better humans, right? Uh, better humans, because it is it is more than just wrestling. We cannot wrestle forever. Uh, we all do become adults sometimes. And, uh, you know, we got to keep this thing moving in the right direction. So to my whole OWA family, everybody involved with OWA, from top to bottom, our formers that are wrestling, which whatever high school you're at, Whatever college you're at, you know, keep getting that education, be leaders and do the right thing. So we uh, we appreciate it. You can I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a little social media plug here. Yeah. Later. So we're on IG at Oklahoma Wrestling Academy, um, Facebook, Oklahoma Wrestling Academy. You can follow us there. So we got some clinics and things coming up for some of these young ones. And uh, I appreciate you guys giving me this platform and everybody else that you've given this platform. man. this is uh this is special for the sport of wrestling, continuing to grow it. So, uh, Bader, I appreciate your time. Kyle, I appreciate your time. I know I'll see you guys soon, and uh, that's it. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate you and, and everything you're doing for the sport. Um, will you be in Detroit at NCAAs? I will not be in Detroit this year. My man, my wife, and I have something planned. I know it. Um, so I will have to uh, be watching right. and, and following. And then, obviously, I think the next two years – it's in Tulsa, which I'll be. Uh, and oh, yeah. Is it go to back to Cleveland after that? I should know. I think it's I Cleveland. Think so. I think it is. No. So next year I'll be Cleveland. at NCAAs. Uh, Cleveland, I'll be at NCAAs. I think I'm going to bring my, uh, my son to either one of them, if not both of them, so he can get a full experience of it. The last time he went was when it was down here in Oklahoma City. He was two years old. He didn't know. Yeah, that was like 2014. He just having a good little time sitting in the box eating some peanuts and stuff. So, uh, <laughs> You know he'll get he'll get a full fledged experience of it this time. Oh, uh, sure. he's gonna love it. Hopefully, for sure. hopefully, fall in love with it even more. No doubt. Um, all right, no man. Doubt. Well, we're gonna no let doubt. you get on with your day, but I appreciate you coming on and chat with us so much, and 
continued uh, success at OWA. I will, man. I appreciate you guys. Y'all have a great day. All right. Thanks, Hardell. Take care. All right, gentlemen. See you later. Adios. All right, Kyle. Hard, Hardell Moore. Uh, man, first day of college practice, John and Pat Smith. <laughs> what a Can great we... story. Yeah. Just the whole interview was just a masterpiece. But, man, what a what a great nugget out of there with wrestling those, that crew and getting the snot ridden out of you by Mark Perry. I mean, it just – I don't know. Then it goes downhill from there. <laughs> it sure does. Okay, but that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Timmy McCall um, calling in. So for Kyle Klingman, I'm Mark Bader. We'll see you guys next time.